We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Radio on the Spotify Green Roof app. Sitting in for Andy Lou today is the legend, super producer, and Light Years originator, Ben Cruz. Ben, how are you doing? Sam, thanks for having me on. I always appreciate the kind words. I think the super producer title now belongs to Tim, rightfully so. He's doing an amazing job with you guys, but always great to, to be back on and talk hoop, man. This is a... Uh... It was a fun, fun game tonight. Yeah, so we're recording this right after the Warriors 121-114 win over the Los Angeles Lakers. And I have a lot of thoughts on this one. And I guess we should start with the initial one, which is if I told you Steph Curry would go five for 21 for 21 points and LeBron James would go 13 for 23 for a highly efficient 34 points, would you bet that the Warriors won that game? Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, on the surface, the Warriors should have absolutely lost this game. Just if you were looking at it from kind of last year's perspective, right? Yeah. Like Steph shot terribly. Draymond had a typical Draymond stat line. Wiggins kind of had a typical Wiggins stat line. And everyone else or everything else from last year, the carryover kind of played as is, except Steph being terrible. Um, the difference was you know, the kind of the emerging players and the, and the new people um, on the roster. And that kind of made the difference there. I, yeah. So I agree with you there. So, so like I've, I have a couple thoughts here. One, the Lakers look as disjointed as I thought. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, we could talk for hours on that and how Russell Westbrook's a bad fit, but this is a Warriors related show. So I feel like the, <laughs> uh, the big takes for us are Jordan Poole, 20 points, eight for 18, particularly off of a slow first half, he came into his game on his own. And then, in my opinion, the real stars of the show, Bielitsa and Andre Godala off the bench. Uh, one, one being the release yep. valve the Warriors needed to kind of create some offense, particularly in the front court, because the beginning of the game, they had a hard time getting shots off and getting good looks with the loony Draymond front court. Bielitsa did a lot to open that up. And then just... Andre Godala, 37, 57, 27. I can't tell a difference, honestly. Like, just very – did he look any different to you than the Andre Godala you remembered from four years ago? 
No, I, I had to tell my wife that he'd been away from the team for two years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we were watching it together. She's like, and she, you know, made an Iguodala comment, and I'd had to tell her like, you realize he hasn't been on the team for two years, right? And, but to your point, he he looks exactly the same kind of in this system, and it looks like it kind of just brought that life back that that second unit has been missing. Obviously, Poole and Bielita have you know were 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 great, but Iguodala is just that calming presence that for the past two years just frankly hasn't been there. Um, when Steph and Draymond aren't on the court. Yeah, and, and like that's really my big take from this game. It's, you know, Steph's going to have nights like this. He's also going to have nights where he goes 15 for 20 and just supernova and games over in three quarters. And we all know he's capable of that. But like for me, it's almost more exciting to watch the Warriors win a game against, you know, a pretty good team in the Lakers. Um, they We'll see where they end up the season. But like I... I feel pretty confident saying this is a good team and for, for them to play this well with Steph playing awful, it's a really positive sign for this team going into the season because last, I mean, last year Steph could play amazing. I'd still lose, right? Like it, it just, it shows signs of growth and that there is a foundation here to a team that, you know, might be a little, a little better than just like a sneaky play-in team. Right. And to your point, I think one of the more encouraging things that I, I took away from the night too was just those non-Steph minutes, right? Last year, those were just an absolute nightmare and everyone was just, just kind of holding your breath, <laughs> right? Yeah. Until the six-minute mark of the second and fourth quarter, right? When he's back in. And, but tonight, you know, in that fourth quarter with Poole, Bielita, and, and Iguodala just kind of doing their thing, it, it, it felt very... The KD era, right? Where it was like, Steph is off, but you're not, you're not holding your breath as much. You're, you're actually just kind of comfortable with him being, getting his rest that he needs. And it was, it was less stressful uh, and you're less counting down the, the, the seconds that Steph is coming back on the court. So that was, that was a really interesting experience kind of watching it um, as, as a fan. Right. And, and also just the Warriors too. Like they just, they didn't see, you didn't see that stress and, and Kerr kind of running that clock in his head as well. Right. Of just, I gotta, I gotta put Steph back in or this is going to go to shit. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, just kind of going through it, like Otto Porter played less than I expected tonight. He played 12 minutes and yeah, I, I suspect it's just because they're they're trying to ramp up his body. Like all preseason, it's been like I'm not where I want to be physically, and you know he's had like a bad couple of years. So I'm not surprised the Warriors are not like you know playing on a quarter 25 minutes a game off the bat. But like we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, guys like Wiggins and Draymond were on somewhat of a minutes limit, and even with all that, they looked relatively deep and. My my big take on it was they they have more playmakers this year, which allows them to get away with Steph being off the floor for maybe a couple extra minutes than it used to. Like no one's gonna replace Steph Curry, but when you have Bielitsa at the five who is capable of creating a shot, when you have Otto Porter on the wing, who even at a let's say physically limited status is still capable of hitting a shot and kind of drive and kick if he needs to. When you got guys like Juan Scott Anderson, Damian Lee, you, you just start running into options. So the offense doesn't feel as like one player dependent. And and that's a positive sign. Yeah. And and even if it if things break down and they kind of need to go ISO and get have someone get them a bucket, Pool is completely capable of doing that, right? Like his first step time was was wild. Just like the quickness that he it would 
that he was using to get to the rim. Right. Um, it, it was obviously we'd kind of seen it in the back end of last year and in preseason, but it was still like surprising to see against, you know, the, the Lakers who are, who are just bigger, uh, obviously, you know, they've got their issues of their own, but, um, and it, that was actually, you know, encouraging as well to kind of see, see pool, take that role and, and embrace it more so in the second half In the first half, you know, he kind of, he kind of seemed uh, a little shook, but he seemed to shake off that rust and that, um, that fear, if you will, and played really well in the, uh, the second half. I agree with you. And you know what my favorite part of Jordan Poole's game tonight was? He was not good in the first half. And Mm -hmm. a young player who plays poorly in the first half against a team that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis, that's like prime. I'm going to fold right now. You know, tonight's not my night. I'm going to kind of sit in the background, pass the ball around. And, you know, next game when we play against the worst team, Maybe I'll try to imprint myself. Jordan Poole, opposite vibe. He he played through it. He hit a myriad of big shots in the third quarter specifically when the Warriors were establishing their lead. And my favorite thing yeah. about him is just his overall confidence level. Like, I don't want to call him cocky, but like there's a level of co- there is a level of cockiness to his game that is much needed for this team and is quite frankly needed for that role. Like you, you can't be the guy who takes people off the bounce and takes a step back without like a certain amount of confidence and cockiness in your game. And against a team like the Lakers, it's a perfect example. Like this is the, he had the perfect first half to quote unquote get rattled and he didn't get rattled at all. Yeah. And and I mean, I I was, I was saying that to uh, someone in the group chat uh, during the game was, I mean, any other, like you said, any other young player like that with the lights shining, you know, opening night, Lakers, you know, all those celebrities are in the stands, national TV. It would have been totally understandable for Jordan Poole to have gone, you know, five for 18 instead of eight for 18. And, you know, it would have been, you you kind of just chalk that up to being young um, and kind of, you know, the lights being a little bit too bright. But the fact that he bounced back the way that he did and was a major reason why they won tonight. I mean, that's, that's huge for his development, but also kind of the team's development with trusting him in those moments. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Should we open this up to callers? Let's see what people have to say. Let's do it. Will, what's up, man? What is up, fellas? What a win. Will, how's it going? I'm doing fantastic. We finally have a bench, man. I am really excited about this year. Bielitsa, my goodness, 15... 11 and four when Draymond was hyping him up in that interview, I think it was like four or five days ago talking about his playmaking Draymond's IQ for seeing the floor and kind of, you know, talking about his passing and stuff when he was kind of raving about him. I got very excited. I always liked him in Sacramento. Uh, Jordan Poole, absolutely unconscious tonight in terms of just no hesitation, hesitation, shooting the ball. I love the points you guys brought up about not being intimidated by Staples Center because I feel like Steph has a little bit of that every time he plays there. It's just weird. He never plays well at Staples, still had a great game. But Damian Lee, Bielitsa, Iguodala getting us 12 points in 23 minutes, it's massive. I'm just thrilled. I think this is a team where I think we're going to be better than expected. We don't even have Clay back. We don't even have Wiseman back. This is deep, man. I, I'm feeling good. We don't have to deal with Mulder. Well, yeah. Well, let me ask you, okay, off of opening night victory here, what are your expectations for this team? Where are you at? What, where are you? I think once we get Clay back, and I mean this, I think we can go to the conference finals. I really believe that. I'm not scared of Utah. They haven't done anything in the West. They lost to a Clippers team last year that didn't have Kawhi. Phoenix is still young. There could be some eight and stuff going on there, especially with no extension. I honestly... From what I saw tonight, this reminded me of strength and numbers dubs. And I feel like we finally have a bunch nice. to compliment it. The craziest stat that I always go back to from last year is when Steph was on the floor. This is a factual stat. We were a top 10 offense in the league. When we took him off the floor, we were the worst offense in the last five <laughs> years. Just think about how crazy that is. We have a bench to back it up now. I am thrilled. Bielita. Why don't we throw them in the starting lineup? I'm loving it. This is a huge dub, guys. Go Warriors. We're back. Well, appreciate you. That is the positivity we need to open the show. I like that. That's how you start off an NBA season. Let's Let's go. Let's keep moving. Ryan, what's up, man? Hey, boys. Uh, just driving back. Went to uh, the bar to catch it with a resident Warriors enemy Tommy gun. So just getting back. Oh, wow. Wow, my guys. <laughs> Yeah, but um, what's it called? My takeaway, A, this team is 10 times smarter than any Warriors team in the past, like, three years. Just Bielitsa, um, 
Iguodala coming back. Damian Lee may be one of the smartest players, period, in the NBA. Just the back cuts he was making today, I don't think anyone else on the team makes those from the wing position. Also, Moses Moody. I want to highlight two plays from Moses Moody. First off, when he took Anthony Davis off the dribble, that takes a lot of confidence out of the rookie to do that, and that was really encouraging. And then uh, there was a one-on-two situation where it was Rondo, LeBron, and Moody. And Moody sort of goaded Rondo into taking the layup and LeBron just like screaming down the lane. And there's just so much smart basketball players on this team and just a breath of fresh air. And I I said it today, Nemanja Bielitsa is going to be a guy who is going to be closing basketball games next to Draymond Green this year, especially against bigger basketball teams. Ryan, appreciate the call. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm all about the excitement level here. And is it time to recalibrate our expectations for Bielitsa? Like, I don't know. Like, I thought he was going to be a useful weapon for them off the bench. Are we ready to go? Bielitsa closing the NBA Finals, Ben? <laughs> like, like a David West type role? I mean, I saw someone on, on Twitter put that out there, that he's, he just kind of has that David West type brain, if you will, on the court. He just, he just, he's just always in the right spot at the right time. Obviously, small sample size, right, with one game. But it's infinitely more than what they've had in the past two years. So, I mean, he, he can stretch the floor. He's, he, he didn't get crushed as much as I thought he would on the boards um, and defensively. Like, I thought that was going to be a train wreck against AD and kind of that big front line with the Lakers. But he actually right. kind of held his own, which was the most surprising thing. Um, so, I, I'm with it. Sign me up. He's uh, closing the NBA Finals. Game seven. Let's do it. Fast forward, <laughs> fast forward to June. The elites yeah. are guarding Giannis. Let's go. <laughs> um, to, uh, to Ryan's overall point, though, I do feel like that is kind of the take of the game, which is the Warriors kind of substituted athleticism for IQ. Like, none of these guys are the athlete yeah. that Kelly Oubre was. Uh, or even the athlete Kemp Bazemore was. But they swapped out Kelly Oubre for Otto Porter. Um, they swapped out Kent Bazemore for Bielitsa, Andre Godala. They made some moves that were kind of, you know, maybe we're going to take a step back physically, but we're going to take a step ahead mentally. And I think it really showed tonight more than anything. Yeah. And, and even what's, I think what's going to be more interesting too is when Poole kind of gets shifted to that, that bench unit and, you know, kind of elevates them even more. Cause I mean, he'll, he'll provide that athleticism for that second unit that it is lacking at this point. But, um, I mean, I, I think our, our, on uh, Plus Minus yesterday, I think Marcus made an interesting point where it was, you know, how long is it until Damian Lee is in the starting lineup, right? Like, to kind of prep pool for his role as that, that bench guy, the, the guy who's leading the bench. So, I think it's right, going right. to be um, – I mean, that bench unit is, is going to be exciting. And, again, it's, it's just – it won't be scary hours anymore when Steph is resting. And I think that's the, the biggest takeaway yeah. is just – you can feel comfortable with, hey, they've got, you know, eight-point lead and maybe they can push it to 10, 12. And so when Steph comes back in, it's not a train wreck or, you know, maybe even chip away at a lead. I, I don't know. It's with – Whoa, get, getting real ahead of ourselves. I, so chipping away yeah, I know. Now. Between that and the Bielitsa in uh, game seven of the finals, we're this, <laughs> this is <the> <laughs> getting real excited. But, um, I mean, again, it's overall – there's like tonight you can't take anything away other than positives right obviously Steph playing shooting like that not great but he's not going to do that no I, but if but if 
But if anything, winning this game with Steph shooting awful is a positive. So mm-hmm. the point stands. Yeah. All right, let's keep moving. Larry, what's up, man? Yeah, sorry, I went on mute. I don't know how that happened. But anyway, welcome to 2021. Uh, everybody said pretty much everything I want to say about, you know, the smarts of this team and the flow of the ball and just the way everybody moves. I mean, Jordan Poole looks like, he looks like Steph 2.0 moving around the the, uh, the floor. But one thing that I, I think people may have missed is that right after LeBron clocked Poole with his shoulder, which was a, should have been a flagrant foul to begin with, um, he comes back down the other side and Bielika just clocks him on the other end. And that's a toughness that I didn't see from us last year. And I think that's, you know, that's another uh, factor that I think Bielica brings in, you know, with everything else that he brings to the floor, including IQ. So that was, I think, a key play because that, that really swung the momentum. The Lakers were coming back and all of a sudden, bang, you know, and, and we just asserted ourselves there. I think it was a big moment. Larry, that's a great call. I actually agree with you because there were there were multiple moments, and that's uh, that was a big one. I want to say was that was that late third quarter or yeah yeah or early fourth. I'm not sure where it was right around there. But those were the type of plays I would say didn't happen last year that led to collapses. Where I mean, games are going to be tough. Sometimes they're not going to hit shots, and if you're going to be a team who's dependent on outside shooting, which the Warriors are probably going to be this year, at least. Uh, at least until James Wiseman comes back and who knows, like when, when he establishes himself internally, you have to have the ability to kind of establish a physical presence in one way or another when things aren't going your way. And I do agree with you. I actually really appreciate you bringing that play up because there was just, it was a level of toughness they didn't have last year. Yep. I definitely agree. So I want to hear other people talk. I think it's the first game of the year. Let's have everybody have fun. <laughs> Appreciate it, Larry. Uh, let's keep moving. Mikas, what's up, man? How we doing, boys? Good first win. Good first win. Uh, I'm hype. I'm very excited. 2-0 on the run your pool in the light year pod. <laughs> so, you know, I got the picks going well right now. I have two uh, small thoughts. I'm curious. Do we think it is more important for Andrew Wiggins, who rebounded the ball quite well tonight, actually, to continue showing his physicality on the glass, or do we think it's more important to try and get eight to uh, ten points out of Andre Iguodala every night? If you had to pick one of those two things to move forward the rest of the year, would you want to see seven to nine rebounds out of Wiggins or eight to ten points out of Iguodala? And I'm curious if there was any lineups that stood out to you guys tonight that you would really like to see Steve run some more or some lineups that you'd really like to see him run less. What are your guys' thoughts on those? Oh, Mikis, that is, that is a tough question. All right, Ben, would you rather see... Would you rather see Wiggins get eight rebounds or would you rather see Iguodala score eight points? It's legitimately, it's legitimately hard for me. No, it's a good, it's a good question. I think for me, it's the Wiggins thing. Um, Just because I think rebounds in general until they're just going to be tough to come by, right? For for this team, they're, they're pretty small um, in general. And uh, so I think Wiggins kind of being that guy, um, to kind of help on the boards is going to be huge. Like against Steph was the second leading rebounder tonight. <laughs> like that, I don't know how sustainable that is. So Steph Brook, yeah, right. And like Iguodala, his his points are going to fluctuate. Right, he scored twelve tonight. There's going to be nights where he scores two, but he's just as effective on the floor. So, um, and as long as he's kind of 
running the offense and the defense um, for that bench unit. I think that's the most important part for him or, and his role. But yeah, it'd be nice to to kind of get that production out of Iguodala. I just don't think it's going to be as necessary as Wiggins being there to, to crash the boards because, I mean, again, somehow this the Warriors out-rebounded the, uh, the Lakers tonight, but I don't know if that's going to continue as we kind of progress in the season here. I think I agree with you because um, if Wiggins is rebounding the ball, that means he's playing aggressive. If Wiggins is playing aggressive, I'll live with whatever else happens. I'll live with him having an off shooting night from outside or, uh, you know, like um, kind of kind of some poor decision making. Uh, if he's playing aggressive, he's going to be a plus for this team and he's going to do certain things that other players can't do because they, while they may have a lot of wings, they don't have a lot of guys who are as talented and have the upside defensively that he does. So as long as he's aggressive, it's positive. Yeah, and, and I think, too, on the, the Iguodala scoring thing, if Steph has a normal night tonight, they don't need Iguodala's 12 points. You know what I mean? If he's shooting uh, his, his right. regular percentage. If, if Steph's so, 8 for 21, we don't we don't need Iguodala hitting shots, which isn't even a great night, right. but your point stands. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, let's keep moving. Alex, what's up, man? Sam, thanks for having me. So I just – We've kind of touched on this in a variety of ways, but the thing about this roster that is so interesting to me is obviously with Kaminga not playing at the moment, with Wiseman not playing at the moment, you can kind of get super veteran heavy. And I think the fluidity of this roster, where on a night like tonight where you're facing a very veteran team in the Lakers, uh, you could expose Moody for a few minutes, but really like you can just lean into vets. That is so different than what last year was, where you basically had to be going to like Eric Pascal right away. And just guys who clearly needed more time in the league to handle kind of everything the league throws at you. And so I kind of think that this roster is so much better structured, even if, you know, the rookies are going to get time to develop and there's going to be teams that you face and matchups you face where they'll have chances when they get on the court. Like it's good to see how much more balanced this roster. Yeah, man, I, I agree with you. Like, um, I feel like you could walk away from the Warriors summer somewhat disappointed that they didn't make the big trade to go all in. And I don't know if Ben agrees with me, but uh, you know, it was a little disappointing at times, but taking a step back from that and looking at the result of the roster, they are in a better position than they were last year. The question is if it's as good a position they can be in going forward. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm with you on that, Sam. And like, just kind of comparing the, um, the two rosters, you know, from this year to last, um, just the injection of, of a, you know, an auto Porter and a Bielitsa, it, it just increases like the, the NBA experience average so much where you just like, you just feel better about the team overall. And obviously it's, it's still kind of balanced out with, you know, a couple of the rookies here, but uh, you know, right. overall, you just kind of feel better that there are people who kind of know what it's like to play in the NBA on a night to night basis and can, help you win games um like there there were so many games last year that the Warriors just kind of tricked off um and it was just due to inexperience right so hopefully that there's there's just less of those this year with uh, with kind of the roster that they've assembled and but yeah I mean it was it was somewhat disappointing um for for us to see like who ended up kind of being here but I think also sure you know if if you if you hit on Bielitsa um and you know Porter is obviously still kind of rounding into form but if you hit on them if you hit on these two guys and, and they're actually contributing, 
I mean, that's, that's a huge bonus. And I mean, it's, it's, it's still, a, you know, a net positive. Absolutely. I agree, man. All right. Let's go back to our guy, Duke Lee. Yo, Duke, what's yo, up, man? Can you hear me? We can All hear right. you. Yes. Thank you. Sorry about that, Sam. Uh, and then, yeah. Um, so first of all, can I just say, uh, Sam is run like a run your pool prom, uh, a pool. It's like a pick and league. And that's awesome, dude. Seriously. Props to you. Thank you for doing that. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, it's a fun thing for the the, the premium uh, members. But uh, anyways, so you mentioned earlier that uh, you were like surprised about OPJ's uh, uh, Auto Porter Jr.'s uh, lack of minutes. How like, you know, I do this one, one to 10 scale. How do you feel about uh, Kerr's rotation? Like how confident are you going to uh, think he's going to be static? Or do you, do you think tonight was like a sort of a, a, a tailor to the Lakers? Oh, that's a great question, Duke, by the way. I appreciate you calling in. So I think a lot of tonight's rotation had to do with just the situation, playing the Lakers with guys not being in full shape that they want to be. Like, let's be real. Wiggins played somewhere between 25 and 30 minutes. Wiggins is going to play more minutes than that. Iguodala also played about 25 to 30 minutes. I can't imagine Iguodala is going to play those type of minutes in a regular season game or in like an average flow regular season game. Otto Porter only played 12 minutes. I feel like we're dealing with a team who is at the beginning of the season and not everyone's in the full shape they are. But what I really want to see is get me three weeks down the road once we know Otto Porter has, let's say, worked up his physical fitness to the level he needs to. More importantly, we know that Wiggins and Draymond have worked up their physical fitness to the level that we want them to. Let's see if Steve Kerr is dogmatic with his rotation or he's a matchup-based coach now. Because to me, this roster is kind of built for a matchup-based coach who's like, you know, maybe the Lakers are not an Otto Porter matchup. Maybe Otto Porter plays 15 minutes a game against the Lakers. But maybe when we play the Denver Nuggets the following game, that's a game for Otto Porter to play 25 to 30 minutes. So I'm just, I'm just excited to see how it goes. Say what? What do you think he should be doing? Kind of with this roster construction, which which one should it be, or or should he be flexible on you know on on a given night? I don't. Know. Oh, he should he should be. In my opinion, so the early part of the season, we're mostly dealing with like players getting their legs under them, and you know some players take longer, and there's like a different plan to get them where they need to be, and you know maybe they're not ready to play 30 minutes a game on October 19th. That's fine. But like the way I look at the Warriors roster is it's very matchup based. It's not like this isn't a team where it's like it doesn't matter who the opponent is. We're playing the same seven guys. This seems like a team where, you know, maybe one game is a Bielitsa game, but the next game might be more of a Looney game. You know, it's, it's a matchup based roster. So I, I just mostly want to see them kind of play to the schedule, which is, you know, let's see who the opponent is. And, you know, may, maybe maybe Tuesday and Wednesday's games are more for Otto Porter, and maybe Friday's game is a game that Otto Porter plays less minutes, that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's such an interesting thought because it's, I think, that you know, in the Kerr era, he's been so stringent, right? Which is, he's playing his rotation right. no matter what. And, 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 for the, and for the different. most part, just to be clear, for the most part, he's had kind of, I mean, we have like Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, 
Clay Thompson, Draymond, like those aren't matchup players. They play every game. They play, and it's like you don't need to do that. Now he has kind right. of a roster where it's a little more mix and match. Totally, no, I I, I agree, and that's going to be exciting to watch too because you know I think we we always want to see you like for someone who's for a coach who's very team oriented and he wants everyone to kind of feel like they're they're doing something and contributing to the team. I think that's just going to be better for the team as a whole as we kind of you know, progress toward the season and hopefully into the playoffs. So um, it's just everyone will have had that kind of their, their moment that you, know, you never know who you'll, who you'll need in a seven-game series. Absolutely. All right, let's get back to the calls. Venkatesh, what's up, man? What's up, guys? Um, I honestly have a negative that I wanted to just talk about and see what you guys <laughs> nice. thought of it was. Um, I feel like a lot of the kind of the big things from the offseason was putting shooters on the team. But in the last, like, five minutes, and it may have been even another part of the game, I feel like I call it an isolation play. When it's just, like, Curry a couple of feet away from Draymond, and they're just kind of trying to do the whole screen thing to get him free. It seemed like the Lakers still just kind of blitz that every time. And I'm wondering if that's going to be, like, more of a strategy from other teams where they just blitz that regardless. But when Curry kind of, like, gave up the ball and was running around, that's when, um, like, the elites got open for that dump off to Lee and like players were able to get more involved. Yeah. I just thought it was kind of weird. Like it just seemed like an off game. Like, I don't know if it was just him or this well, okay. defense is going to be a thing. So th- that's a, that's a great call. Vic. And um, so it's like, it's like 50, 50 to me. Okay. So 50%, the Lakers were overplaying it. They were doing everything in their power to make sure Steph was not the one who killed them. And 50%, it is kind of a function of the Warriors offense. Like, I don't know, Ben. I feel like they're they did a better job of mixing and matching lineup combinations, but it's not like they had five scores out there at all times. Like right. we we still got like a certain amount of the Draymond passing to Looney, passing back to Draymond, passing to Igadala, who is looking to pass to Steph type of possessions. So I think that's just kind of that's part of it. Like the Warriors, like they're gonna side with signing guys who can pass over guys who can do other stuff, but, but in general. Yeah. I mean, you know, Curry just kind of ran into a, into Bazemore, right. Who just kind of knew every movement that he was going to make right. tonight. It seemed like, um, and it, you know, I think obviously him having to guard him in practice all last year, I'm sure helped him uh, kind of know exactly what was and, happening. And not, and, not, and not just last year, they go back like a decade. Right. So. Yeah. I'm sure just last year's, extrapolated even more where um he kind of knew all the you know the first moves and the counters to those moves right so um I, I mean i wasn't too concerned obviously you know five for 21 again from steph is is very out of character um but you know i i again i think the offense as a whole net positive is it time to trade steph curry and look for to build around jordan Poole? i mean once we get off this green room i'm, I'm running to the trade machine real quick and just <laughs> see, see what we can get for steph <laughs> Well, his value still was somewhat uh, high. Could we, could we get Mo Bamba? I don't know. There's a lot of. I think Mo Bamba has a lot of trade value. <laughs> <laughs> Sources. Sources. Shik, are you there? Yeah, man. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. What's up, man? Yeah. Hey, so, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna say it was a breath of fresh air to actually watch this motion offense uh, go from my like, GED level GE levels with fucking new brain base more wanna make your last turn to like PhD. <laughs> dissertation like fucking quantum physics levels with Elitza and Porter and stuff. So that was that was good. I, I don't even I don't even think it was PhD level. I think it was literally just like uh freshman year levels. But yes, I appreciate it. It felt like PhD compared to last year though. 
<laughs> Anyways, my, my point was, uh, I had two points. One was, uh, uh, how much do you think Kirk Lathrop was uh, like clipping up these Beliefs clips and sending them to fucking Alan Smiley Geach over in Serbia over WhatsApp, trying to get him to <laughs> learn his moves while he's gone? <laughs> and, uh, the second, um, yeah, the more serious one was, uh, so uh, what do you think the realistic ceiling of this team is after one game? I know it's like a one-game sample size and the Lakers have their own host of Bazemore and Rust issues, which are kind of like our issues last year, but... Uh, what do you guys has your opinion on the ceiling of this team changed at all or Shik, that's a great call. So I'll answer it first. I don't want to hear Ben's take on this. My my opinion hasn't hasn't changed. I think there's still a team in a holding pattern. Like I need to see what Clay looks like to before I make a judgment. I know they still have Wiseman, Kuminga, Moody, all their picks. So like they always have the ability to shake it up, but like for lack of a better way to put it, they haven't made a big trade. I kind of want to see what they look like with Clay Thompson before I make judgments on what the ceiling of this team is. I think they're good. I think they're in the mix. If I if like push come to shove, I think they're a player short, but I'm not really sure what type of player that is until I see Clay Thompson play. Yeah, I mean to echo on that, Clay is will define their ceiling, I think, right? I mean, today they they played okay um against the lakers team that is you know obviously flawed um and, and they'll figure it out but clay will define kind of where their ceiling is i mean i going in i thought that they were a four or five seed um kind of where, that's where they would end up um this season and I'm not, and now you bought your ticket to brooklyn in, in june i have yes um <laughs> and uh, is that six months from now because i think uh that's how long you need to uh to book a flight but I think my my stance still <laughs> is is in that time is in that frame right where it's they they're clearly out of the play in game. I think that's where what my thought was going into tonight, and that really hasn't changed. So I still have them kind of in the four or five, the three if like Clay comes out and it's just you know game six twenty nineteen finals Clay pre injury like sure, but um, you know I, I think there's there's still a lot of questions with this team, so I'm still. Sticking with my initial projection. I like it. Paratosh, what's up, man? And can you hear me? Oh, there. So, yeah. I can hear you now. I don't know why I, I too muted myself. Yeah, so my question was, uh, I guess someone already asked about autoporter, so that's probably just him coming up to shape and whatnot and the matchup. But the second question I had about that is about our size. Like, it seemed earlier that the Lakers were just killing us inside because of AD, of course. So do you think we still need a big man in addition to Looney who's, I don't know, at least for the regular season, maybe like a trade? I don't know how they can accomplish that, but like just because it seemed like we were too small or maybe it's just because the Lakers are too big. So, yeah, that's my question is about like, do we need another center or is James Wiseman going to come back looking like Jokic or something? <laughs> I appreciate the call. I want to see uh, Wiseman before I make that determination. I don't know how you feel, Ben. Um, I think this team's better when they play small and fast. So, in general, I don't think they need a big man, but like that's also nonsensical because you're depending on Draymond to do a bunch of stuff. So, I want to see where Wiseman is before I make a determination of what kind of players they want to put on this roster. Yeah, I mean, I think whether or not Wiseman is the right fit for this team they're going to play him right when he comes back he's going to be 
that big body and that, and that center, they're going to try to make it work. Right. And whether that might cause, cost them a couple of games here and there, because um, right. Like he's clearly a priority. Right. So um, I, I don't think a trade is kind of in, in the works here at all. I mean, you know, it's going to be Looney Wiseman and Draymond. I think that's your center rotation for, for now. And, you know, in a pinch. Oh, Bielitsa, bro. Oh, Bielitsa. Sorry. Yeah. He's a, um, so I think that that's that's it right there, right? And they'll 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 figure it out. And I I, I just don't see what trade they could make for for someone out there for for another center when you have Wiseman and you know that they're going to play. And, and I feel like the important part here is if you want to take anything away from tonight's win, it's that they have a cohesive identity, whereas the Lakers are kind of, you know, just a bunch of parts that maybe don't fit. So if the Warriors do want to sign another big man, you you would hope it would be someone who fits their identity, who can maybe run, who's either athletic or who can space the floor. Because as we saw last year, signing players just for the sake of it for them did not work. Right. All right. Well, this is going to be the last call of the night. Where are you going to go? And we have a lot of call and requests. And I appreciate everyone who is. Well, let's go with William. William, what's up, man? Yo, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Uh, so, glad to see that Bielitsa is proving my offensive David West prediction correct. If he care, he was pretty much the Warriors' best player. Like, I know Jordan Poole had, like, 20 points, but Bielitsa... No, I, no, I agree with you. Bielitsa kind of turned the game for yeah, them multiple times. Like Bielitsa, Andre... And Moody, in particular, I was actually kind of shocked that he, even in his five minutes, pretty much saved the drunken Warriors, who was a bit partying too much outside in L.A., but, you know, it is what it is. So. <laughs> uh, the main thing that I – it's – I know that Joe Wake is going to be um, going to be kind of prioritized with sa- shaving salary, but the problem that he's going to face is that He's going to have to pay Paul because Paul is that dude. So he's going to get, need an extension. So I'm so waiting a bit too long to get Wiggins off his contract. It's just going to waste a salary slot while Steph is just going to be, a, unfortunately, probably going to turn into like high volume John Stockton for a little bit as is, as he gets out of his, is prime, which is still pretty good, but ultimately I don't know if it's going to be enough for a title per se. So we'll see how that goes. But I appreciate the call, and you know, hopefully Otto Porter decides to not be fat this year. So we'll keep it moving. That's how we're ending it, man. Otto Porter keto diet. Yeah, I think it's keto. <laughs> keto. Uh, Sorry. Well, apologies. Don't don't put him in the. Uh, he can't be in the. Clear, clearly, I'm. Clearly, I'm not. I'm not on it. So don't, he can't. Just I just don't want to see Otto Porter in a uh, Mountain Dew commercial with uh, with Zion and Zach Levine. That's all. I, that's all I want. <laughs> well, you know that's a that's a fifty fifty proposition. Zach Levine in good shape. Zion, you know, could be better. Uh, I have questions for Zion's people allowing him to be in that commercial. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not here to fat shame or I just have questions. That's all I'm saying. I just have questions. Anyway, we had a great opening game of the season. I feel like the Warriors are trending in a positive direction. Ben Cruz, I appreciate you more than anyone for joining today. 
Um, you want to plug anything? You got anything to say? Yeah, that much. I mean, Volver, check out um, my my new show on Volver, One and Done. Um, I actually interviewed the the boss man, your boss man today, Kevin Jones, KJ. Uh, I have no boss. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, maybe not after. Not, Just not kidding, after that KJ. Time. But uh, I'm also interviewing uh, for those of you who are watching Insecure. Uh, it's entering its final season on Sunday. I'm interviewing Yvonne Orgy, for who she plays Molly on the show. So check it out. That's what we got going on at Volver. But Sam, always appreciate you, man. It's, it's always fun to hop on with you and Andy. And uh, but it's a good start. One to know. Maybe one more to go. Mm-hmm. Want to know? We are expecting you to come on every time now that the Warriors win because you're good luck, Owen. Appreciate it, everyone. <laughs> you got my number. Thanks, man. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.